Welcome to Highway Christian Community Sermon Download. Our aim is to reveal from Scripture just how good God really is. Find more of our sermons and other links as well as contact details at our website www.highway.org.za That's H-I-G-H-W-A-Y dot org dot Z-A May this sermon bless you. Enjoy. As we stand amazed at your great love and the miracle that took place on this day that we celebrate. With your people and the church through all ages and all times, as we put this day aside to say, the lion, the lion became a lamb. But the lamb became a lion, gloriously resurrected in authority and power, magnificent, spectacularly exalted above all the universe, time and space. We give you praise today. Take your seats. Did you enjoy that uh, video? I saw that it's quite an old one. And uh, I just thought it would be so fitting to remember it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Amen? Have the life group taking up the offering. They can come up. Just to remind you, it's, it's a good thing that we model every Sunday that we are giving church, we are generous church. Because a lot about the message of the gospel is a generous message. It's about a God who so loved the world that he gave. You see, it's not just money. Money represents something. It represents our time. It represents our talents. It represents our uh, effort. So it's not just the money. It's that sacrificial living of saying, Lord, I put you first in everything. And I can rest assured that you will take care of all of my needs according to your riches in glory. Amen? And in a local church, when everyone does what they feel the Lord show them to do, for the widow, it might be a mite. For a businessman, it might be an inheritance that got cashed in. Whatever it is, it's not the size, it's the obedience of the heart in giving, sacrificially. Can you say amen? amen? So let's prepare ourselves as we take up our offering this morning. Thank you. It's Easter. And I am getting feedback. I don't know what's happening at the back. The ash can be sorted out, please. Thank you so much. And he is risen. That was the greeting of the early church. He is risen. Come and you say it back to me now. He is risen. He is risen. That was the greeting of the early church. And Easter is something special to us. And for me personally, it's something very special. It's when the church heralds the fact that we live 
We serve a living Savior. No other religion can offer a living Savior. They offer you a tomb you can visit. They offer you dead bones. They offer you philosophies. But only Jesus Christ offers you a living, true, risen King of kings and Lord of lords. First, he witnessed himself to those two on the road to Emmaus after his resurrection. And then to the disciples that were hiding in fear. And then to Peter and Thomas. And then later on to 500 others. And the scripture is very clear and very powerful when it says that in Acts chapter 4, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And much grace, say much grace, was upon them all. You see, with this message of proclaiming the resurrection, much grace is revealed to mankind. Because it's a message of hope. It's a message of mercy. It's a message of God's loving kindness. It's a message of grace. And when we proclaim the resurrection, we're proclaiming the message of grace. Easter means a whole lot to me because it was on an Easter weekend like this, some years, many years back, where I heard the glorious message of the wonderful Savior and His love for me. I grew up in a very unchurched, never church family. My parents even wrote me a letter to give to the school so that I wouldn't have to go to the religious instructions, which was compulsory back in the day, under the pretext that I was Jewish. I never wore a yarmulke, and we weren't Jewish, but it was a few periods off in the week that we could go and smoke pot in the toilets. And when I came, someone once gave me a Bible and I took it home. My mom took it, looked at it, put it in the dustbin and said, we'll have none of that in this house. The only religiosity in my home was my grandmother had a Bible in her room. She lived on our property. And on Monday nights when she used to invite people over, advertised with a blue light, a soft blue light, they would sit in a circle and hold hands and call up the deceased spirits as they intervened, and she conducted a kind of a medium position. She had a Bible, so I thought she was very spiritual. I never saw her open it, but it was there. And it was intimidating. And in big gold letters it said, The Holy Bible. I was terrified. I just knew there was something about it, because I used to open it on Friday mornings at school, and somebody would read, and there'd be a prayer. Remember those days? They used to sing the Lord's Prayer, and then we used to sing the National Anthem. So I had this vague consciousness, but God was a distant God. He was a judgmental God. He was a God far off that spent most of his time going over how bad we were, how much sin we had, how worthy of condemnation we were. So I distanced myself in my mind from an image of God that I could never believe could be personal. And it was only years later working in Newcastle, in Northern Natal, that some family, when they heard about my lifestyle and my total agnostic, I wouldn't call myself an atheist because I believed there was some kind of power out there, just didn't have a name, and he didn't know about us, but he got the whole clock ticking in the first place and then just abandoned it. 
And when they heard about my position and my lifestyle, they made it their effort to come and confront me uh, and present the gospel. And how they did it was they set me up on a weekend, which was the Easter weekend. To me, it was just a long weekend. And they said they were going away. We're playing sport. I knew some of their friends and some of their girlfriends who incidentally were worth going away on a weekend with. I mean, how low can you sink to use that kind of bait to fish for somebody? I mean, that is rotten and disgusting. So off I went. Off I went on this weekend. It was an Easter weekend like this weekend. And yes, there was some sport and fun and games. But then it came to Sunday and it got a bit weird because they spoke about this bread and this communion, which I knew I wasn't going to go close to. My mother would have strung me up by my feet if I'd participated in something like that. And, and anyway, by the end of the evening, I get dared to go forward to the front while they're praying for people. Can you believe that? Someone would dare you. I dare you to go up. If you go, I'll come. And I went. And halfway up, I looked back and they never came following me. I was tricked. It was conniving. It was terrible. It was, I got up there. I thought, what on earth am I doing up here? And suddenly, I felt a presence that only years later I can describe as the presence of Jesus by the Holy Spirit. That suddenly this God that was far off and detached became living and real. A waterfall began to bubble up inside of me. I stood there weeping and weeping, not understanding uncontrollably. And when the waterfall had come to an end, my friend, I knew my life was set on a different course. I knew that something that was far off had become real. And I knew that Jesus Christ's death and burial and resurrection was for me. And it's been that case ever since that day. Until that Easter weekend, I could not bring myself around to have enough faith to believe that there was a God who wanted to be personally involved in my life. But after that weekend, I could never find enough faith to doubt that God who wants to become personally involved in my life. And I'm here to tell you this morning, the message of Easter is that God draws near. God, who is the pearl of paradise, became flesh and said, I'm so committed to be in relationship with you, my son, you, my daughter. I'm going to pay the ultimate price that you could never pay. I'm going to live the perfect life you could never live. I'm going to let them take my body as a sacrifice. The lion became a lamb and the lamb was buried dead and resurrected and on the third day the lamb became a lion and he was gloriously resurrected in power and majesty that is the message of Easter and it's a beautiful message to those who are saved it was Friday I even had some thoughts about should we have communion this morning because we did that on Friday morning then I realized some people wouldn't be here Friday morning. So we had a kind of a Friday, Saturday, Sunday service this morning. Not bad. All compressed into one. But we wanted to end on a high note. It was Friday, but Sunday. And I want to share with you this morning, in this little time we got together, what the resurrection means 
for us today. Because it's based on this that we have hope. Father God, we thank you. As we just lift up our hearts as a a surrender to you, as a sense of a Jesus Christ, would you become afresh to me even on this day? And I don't have to wait for Easter to come past every year to do this. I can do it every day, but today is a special day. It's a special day. It speaks to the world and says, there are a people on earth who are boldly with authority proclaiming the resurrection and much grace is upon them. Today, would you bring by revelation what it means, this resurrection. In Jesus' name, amen. Five things I want to share this morning. Number one, the R of risen is that there is resurrection hope. And in John eleven twenty five, Jesus speaks to Mary and Martha, and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. You see, even if we are at a stage of great contentment and happiness in life, and we should be because we're called to live an abundant life, there will come a time when we will no longer live on this terrain. And our great hope is that Jesus has promised us a resurrection. If you're born again, your eternal life has already begun. But one day your body is going to catch up to what happened in your spirit. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last day. And then secondly, the eye of risen is that we are included in Christ. Jesus said to his disciples, when praying for his disciples in John 17, I have given them the glory that you, the Father, gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. Where does the Father dwell? In the Son. The Son and the Father in divine unity and trinity for eternity have coexisted. Jesus now includes something new into the communion of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it's called the Bride of Christ. It's you and it's me. We are now included in Him. So it goes on to say in Paul could say, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. And then in Ephesians, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, 
made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Where are we seated now? In the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. The Father in the Son, the Son in the Father, us in the Son, the Son in us. No longer us living, but Christ in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Seated in heavenly places. There is an inclusion, my friend. The resurrection speaks of you and me being in Christ and included forever and forever and forever. The S of risen. The Spirit of God is poured out on us. Jesus said to his disciples, it's necessary that I'm going to go away because if I don't go away, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit will not come. They were fearful thinking that Jesus was going to abandon them. They were terrified at that prospect. They said, no, no, we'll fight for you. But he said, it is necessary. Because while I'm here, the Holy Spirit is only in one temple. But when I go, I will send one who is the Holy Spirit, who will baptize you in power. And my presence will be in many places at the same time. That's part of what he meant, I believe, when he said, the works that I've been doing, you will do, and even greater works. Because whatever Jesus could do in one place can be done in tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands and millions of places across the globe at one time. Amen? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. Upon you. This was a result of the resurrection. This was uh, precipitated upon Christ rising, ascending back to the Father. And in Romans 8, verse 11, it says, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. Through his spirit who lives in you. You see, my friend, a motor car standing in the garage is no use to anybody unless there's gasoline in the tank. And if you and I have got the same gasoline in our tank that Jesus had in his tank, that same spirit that was in Jesus will quicken our bodies, will give life to us, will empower us, to live the life that he calls us to do. And like Jesus, we can minister in the power of the Holy Spirit. We've taken the whole month of March to look around the subject of the person of Jesus. As we move into, after the holidays, April, May, we're wanting to look at this wonderful subject of who the Holy Spirit is, what he wants to do, how he operates in our lives. Because even of Jesus, it was said that he went about doing good and healing all the good, all those who were sick. That God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. If Jesus needed that anointing to go about doing good and healing those who were under demonic powers, how much more does our vehicle need to be full of the right gasoline to get from A to B in our generation? Come on. I often say it. Christianity is not a difficult thing. It's an impossible thing. 
without this good news. That Jesus lived your perfect life. That he died the death you could never have died. And then he, just, he sends his Holy Spirit to empower, to quicken the same spirit that raised Jesus. Not a different spirit, not a lesser spirit. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Come on now. Say me. Say me. He's talking about me. If you're a born again child of God who's put your faith in the resurrection, part of what the resurrection means is that his spirit has come to live inside of you. Amen. And part of the result of this, the E in risen, is that we are equipped for every good work. You see, he knew what this generation would need that you live in right now. And he equipped you for what this generation needs. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can tell the person next to you is talking about you this morning. Steve came to preach a message to you this morning. You are not living in the 1800s because what... You have and you might not have been any good back then. And what they had back then is might have been no good for living today. What you got living in, what the, the, the gifts that have been entrusted to you are for this day, for this time. You weren't born in the wrong country. You weren't born at the wrong time. You weren't born in the wrong gender. You weren't born in the wrong ethnic group. You weren't born in the wrong social situation for such a time as this in the fullness of time god knew why he put me on this planet he i know why he got hold of that 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 delinquent retrobate boy who got tricked into going to an Easter weekend and revealed himself to him because he delights in taking the foolish things of this world. He delights in taking the despised things of this world. He takes the the things that are a scandal, the things that are a mockery, and he says, I will make my name glorious through someone like you. Someone like you that people don't understand. Someone like you that feels inadequate and inferior. Yes, someone like you. And what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? And he who descended is the very one who ascended to the higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. What is this talking about? This is death, burial, and resurrection language. But look at the context that it's in. Verse 11. It was he, this one, Jesus, who was raised, ascended, who gave some, to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Can you see what Jesus did in his ascension? He gave gifts, and these aren't all the gifts. Go read Romans 12 and Corinthians 14. These were some of the gifts he gave. They were gifts to bring the church to maturity so it wouldn't be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. It was, these gifts are given so the church 
would be a lighthouse shining in the midst of the nations. The same mandate to Israel was to be a voice for God, which they never became, ultimately. And the church has had many dark seasons, many dark ages, many dry seasons. But I propose to you what's been happening in the last hundred years is a resurrection of the church's revelation of God, of Jesus Christ, of the Holy Spirit. And in this, the gifts are beginning to operate. Apostles are emerging. Prophets are emerging. Pastors are emerging. Those with administrative gifts are emerging. Those with gifts of showing mercy and gifts of, of giving and hospitality and generosity are emerging. Gifts of healings are emerging. What do you carry in you that this generation needs? Because it's not just for you. Do you know that our gifts aren't for us? Oh, oh! I thought my gift of evangelism was so that I could be cool and uh, be employed in an organization to preach the gospel. No, 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 no. It's not about actually for me. The gift that was put in me is actually... For others. Here's the thing. He's put a gift inside of you. For others. He put something administrative in you. For others. He put prosperity and blessing and ability to do business and the power to, to make work. For, for others. He put gifts of healing and gifts of deliverance and gifts of mercy. For others. Can you see what the resurrection does? It empowers you and me to be the church that will show the world that Jesus is who he said he is. By this, all men will know that you, my disciples, when you walk in love. How is love expressed? My gift in operation is in love. I want to do what I'm doing because I love those who don't know Jesus. I love those who do know Jesus. I prepare and do my best and pour it all out because I want to see God's people equipped, encouraged. I want to see, I know there's people who come in downcast. I want to see them filled with hope because my Jesus is indescribably wonderful. And when we encounter his presence, when we lay a table here for the worship to raise God to a, God's people into a place of adoration, it's not just so that we can have a morning program and we can have a nice sing song. It's so that the spirits of God's people that are down will be lifted up, that are discouraged will be encouraged, that are hopeless will become hope-filled. That's why you use your gift. That's why I use my gift. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You see, we're serving in a new way of the Spirit because we've died to what once bound us, We've been released from the law so that now we serve in the new way of the Spirit, not in the old way. Under the Old Testament covenant, motivation was always extrinsic. We looked at something we had to do. In the new covenant, with the Spirit of God in us, our motivation has to be intrinsic. We serve in a new way, not under the old, but under the new. Can you say amen? And then the final 
What does this mean for us? The end of risen. Maybe you could find a better way of describing this. I just used the word never. What do you mean, Steve? Never. So glad you asked the question. Well, you see, Paul encountered a lot of opposition to his message. And every one of his answers is predicated on the resurrection. And in effect, to these humanistic arguments from so-called believers who were denying the resurrection, he was saying never, never, never. And this argument we can find in 1 Corinthians 15 from verse 12. He says, if it's preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. More than that, we are found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that He raised Christ from the dead. But He did not raise Him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, you're still in your sins, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. We could say a lot about that. Verse 20. Then he comes back to the never part of the if condition. But Christ indeed has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through one man and the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as an Adam all dies, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own turn. Christ the first fruits, then when he comes... Those who belong to him, then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. This is one of the most powerful replies, responses of Paul against those who said, Let's eat and drink and be merry for tomorrow. You die. He says, nonsense. Never. There is a resurrection. You better believe it, my friend. There is going to be a resurrection. Some people die prematurely and we don't like that. We don't have all the answers for that. But let me tell you, at some stage, as someone once said, only two things in life you can be sure of, taxes and death. I don't know if that's altogether true. Maybe it is. But one thing you can be sure of, and that's death. And Paul is saying, our whole hope is based on this. These counter-arguments. Some were saying, the dead have already been raised. And others were saying, it's just idiomatic. And others were saying, Jesus didn't really die, he just passed out. Paul says, never. And my friend, that's what the gospel says today to all those arguments. Never again will God hold your sins against you. Never again will God be angry 
with you, the Bible says. Never again do you need to be fearful of a distant, angry, wrathful God. Never again do you need to feel separated or apart from Him. Never again do you need to feel God's angry or that you cursed. Because the curse was removed at the cross. Don't you love these beautiful pictures of my wife this morning? Well done, Janet. Jesus the man, experiencing the sins of the world upon him as he felt like God, his father, turned his face and cried out, my God, my God. But that was Friday. A day was coming when the gospel says, never again will I hold their sins against them. Never again will I be angry with them. Never again do they need to feel separation and fear. Because the gospel of the resurrection declares, never again. Can you draw that into your spirit this morning, church? I will not invite you to stand up and I want to pray. I want to invite you to stand up as we pray this morning. Can, can, can you just take those, those five points? The R, the resurrection hope that you have. The I, the inclusion that you have in Christ. The S, that His Spirit has been poured out into you. The E, that you've been equipped with every gift for this generation. And the N, never again do you need to fear. Never again are you under a curse. Curse has been broken. I want to say to people who believe that witch doctors can put curses. That people can put curses. That magicians can put curses. I want to say the Bible says, never again do you need to fear curses or condemnation or guilt or separation right now don't you just lift up your hands Jesus when you were on the cross they mocked you and they said if you the son of God come down and they laughed and they jeered but you had something much bigger in mind much more spectacular than coming down off a cross was to rise up after three days. And because of your resurrection, we have the hope of resurrection. We have the hope of being included in Christ.